Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. Hi, this is Dan Connolly, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So thank you to Dan Connolly, one of our Kickstarter backers who backed the tennis podcast at the end of 2018 so that we could produce the 120 plus shows that we've, uh, we're getting through this year. He's lovely, uh, Dan. He is lovely, He says Dan. nice things on Twitter. Yes, he does. Catherine's here. Matt's here. Hello, Matt. Hello. Hello. We've just had an ATP Tour Finals Action Day 2 and there's been lots of it and records have been tumbling head-to-head. Uh, reverses have been put to bed for Stefanos Tsitsipas and for Alexander Zverev because they they were they both came in 0-5 down against their respective opponents today and they won them both so uh, yes everything is on its head as we sit here in the media restaurant with our beer I suspect today hasn't been a good advert for the uh, predictive powers of pole vault no pole vault's had a bad day and and us yeah on Twitter well you say us but I feel quite good about the way it's gone today versus how I thought it would go. Yeah, I feel all right. Oh, really? About it, yeah. Okay. Did we say that on the podcast last nope. night? That's Which irrelevant. Which gives <laughs> to, to, to editorialise after the fact. In my head, everything went exactly as I thought. <laughs> no, it didn't. Uh, no, I still thought Medvedev would end up winning against Tsitsipas, although I thought it could be closer than they've had in recent times. But... Um, yeah, let's let's take them in order. First of all, we had Sitsipas Medvedev, which is it's part of this saga, isn't it? This ongoing saga between those two, which started in Miami a, a couple of years ago and ended in pretty dramatic fashion with some some pretty unpleasant words being exchanged at the net. It was fantastic on one <laughs> level, I have to say. Um, the match itself was was a little surprising because Medvedev just looked a little bit anemic out there I thought he didn't he didn't really do much today and he got he got beaten in straight sets they were close sets but it was was not that difficult for for Sitsabas. yeah he was hitting a lovely smooth silky ball wasn't he and wasn't doing loads wrong not lots of errors or anything but wasn't yeah wasn't making anything happen out there and Sitsipas had obviously come out with the very definite strategy 
of trying to make things happen. Any things must make things happen. Must not be bored. Must out not there be bored. Because yeah, uh, yeah Matt unearthed some absolutely glorious quotes from Tsitsipas ahead of their last meeting in Shanghai, which of course Medvedev won because he had won all of them before today. Uh, where, he, where he was asked, um, "How do you feel about?" playing Medvedev he said I feel mostly I just feel bored I feel <laughs> bored playing him it's just it's just you know to paraphrase David Law the the metronomic winning of titles <laughs> and, he, um, and he said a wonderful thing he said not to be rude <laughs> yeah, like, not to be rude but I hate you <laughs> um, and he said yeah I mean he's got a big serve and if he gets his serve in then he's sort of screwed aren't you so yeah um, um, and then, and then, nonsensically, uh, he was asked. So then he was asked, you know, what what do you think you can do or have to do to try and get a win against him? He said, oh, "I'm sure I'll get one one day. I'm sure I'll do better next time. I think I just have to win the first set." Mm. That was his conclusion. And despite that logic being just fatally flawed, he right, was right down to the fundamental <laughs> understanding of tennis scoring turned out he was completely right <laughs> <laughs> yeah because he came out he won the first set it was a it was tie break wasn't it yeah tie break first set yes then he and it was s- a really flat first set yes really really bizarre and flat and aggroless and disappointing well, I mean apart from the bit where Sitsipas clearly tried to drill Medvedev in the chest with three ground strokes <laughs> one, one of them was a forehand at point blank range how Medvedev didn't turn around but and give him the react. eyeballs no I know I was so disappointed so he's been goaded into aggro and he didn't take the bait I th- it's almost <laughs> like he, he thinks if I do it I'm caricatured as doing it aren't I uh, the old aggro but then then Sitsipas did two of them in the same point <laughs> and actually Medvedev fended them off and won the point with a mm. lovely forehand volley reaction volley but he was strangely sort of lifeless out there Medvedev there was no there was no get up and go in him there was no defiance about him at all today even when things were going against him even when I felt Sitsipas was trying to tempt him into a bit of a uh, a nose to nose, you know, he, he wasn't there. He himself booed. Yeah, he did. He wasn't there, and and he actually he admitted that afterwards, didn't he, Matt? In the press comments, Medvedev came in, and I was really quite surprised to hear this. He said, "I just haven't felt in form lately." Mm. I mean, he's obviously had all these incredible results over the summer. He won the the back to back titles, were they? St. Petersburg and and Shanghai and Shanghai. He won those titles, but he said in practice. I've not been playing well and and, and it, he said uh, that I had the time off in Moscow I really needed that time mm. off but actually I was quite pleased the way I played today because I kind of wasn't awful exactly he was what he was saying was basically he didn't really want to take time off because he was in such a good rhythm both in terms of winning matches and he was feeling good on the court but he needed to take time off for his body because he was you know he was strapped up wasn't he all over the place he was feeling it after a grueling summer but what the break has done is he's lost a bit of form he's 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 lost definitely he's lost his edge and rhythm player isn't he He, it's it's going to be a perpetual balancing act for him i think completely agree he's uh, we were saying all summer medvedev's fine as long as he can keep going but it's the Mm. it's the break that has that seems to have caused him a bit of a problem um because he was determined that Tsitsipas wasn't really doing anything differently today to when they played in the past 
he thought it was all about his own performance, Medvedev being a notch or two lower than he would have liked. But I don't know. I, I did see some different things from Sitsipas. We were commenting on his slice that and was a, de- a definite attempt to get a different ball to the boring one. Well, apparently he had chatted to Jeremy Shardy, hadn't he? Who Amazing. beat Medvedev in Paris, which is a little bit of a troll, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> We're yes. all ganging up on you. Jeremy Shardy. Yeah. We're having meetings. <laughs> <laughs> How do you solve a problem like Daniel? <laughs> he's he's not he's not the person I would immediately think of as one of the HP's best strategists, Jeremy Shardy. Um. <laughs> um the the press conference we then went, Matt and I attended Stefanos Tsitsipas's press conference afterwards. I mean, we should say as well, his, his on-court interview was delirious in its, in its excitement. He was genuinely in a dream state, he was. wasn't he? he? He couldn't barely form sentences. He was so chuffed. <laughs> he, he, sort of, he sort of slightly kind of ruined all the questions and yet made the interview so much better in the process because he was he he was asked about a volley which he'd forgotten about and which, so he, insisted, which he insisted, he insisted they put on the screen on yeah. it was anyone else screen? a little bit underwhelmed when the replay <laughs> I mean it, it, it was decent good regulation yeah, good, punched volley good, good yeah. volley in the circumstances <laughs> at five all in the first set tie break it was good but yeah. sort of an hour later on the replay <laughs> the moment had kind of gone um and then what else he was asked about um, what else was he asked about in that interview he just basically kind of like I'm doing now couldn't remember anything he, <laughs> he said I've always dreamed about this and it's even better than my dreams yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. playing at the O2 he said he, he said he was misremembering when the tournament started oh, he said yeah. 2010 and he really made a point of it he said if I if I am not mistaken yeah and he got it 17, wrong 17,000 people and then Nitto would have been really pleased mistaken. with him because he said and it used to be Barclays yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like reeling off a list of past title sponsors. Well, if you, if you <laughs> and he looked so pleased with himself <laughs> that he'd remembered that it used to be Barclays. It was so good. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you thought that was good, you should have seen it. I mean, I have not been to many Stefanos Tsitsipas press conferences. I, I don't think I've been to any, uh, apart from the one when he lost at the Australian Open and he looked as if he wanted to go and live in a hole somewhere. I think he um, might have gone and lived in a hole somewhere. Yeah, briefly. like in a cave. But uh, in this press conference, he walked in and the first thing that happened was he, he admonished, I think, his dad, who was at the back mm. of the room, for talking on the phone. <laughs> told him <laughs> to shut up. Started shouting at him. Yeah. He said, hold on a minute. He, <laughs> had, a, he had a phase in that, I don't think it was an isolated incident, but in the French Open match against Vavrinka where he started shouting at his dad as well, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, but he this, called him a... A ghost. You're a, a ghost up there. Yeah. But his dad was genuinely interrupting the press conference. <laughs> so <laughs> Stephanus just sort of like moderated it at the start of the, the, before it got underway. Have you seen the ATP video a, a, where he set secret tasks yeah. and fundamentally misunderstands the concept of anything being secret? Yes. <laughs> Yes, I tweeted about that. Oh, yes. right. It, oh, he, he's, he's told to take secret selfies with <laughs> Nadal and Federer, and he goes up to them, hey, guys, can I have a selfie? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in the, pre- in the press conference, well, I mean, he is disarmingly honest and straightforward, mm. and, and there's no spin in his head. He doesn't think, oh, 
oh they're trying to get me on this so i better be you better be careful so earnest so you've got you've got neil mcclemon of the mirror who just asks (laughs) the question that we all want to ask and exactly in the way we all want to ask it which is why don't you like daniel medvedev (laughs) 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 and uh, you saw sitsabas goes well, there's big, it's a big words. These are big words. I think he even said hate. I don't hate him, but you know, we clearly we have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, and then and then. Do you, Nick, me- do you remember when Nick Kyrgios briefly acted as peacemaker? <laughs> yeah, that in was the a late weird time. Summer, and they all took a flight, a, a private jet together, and it felt briefly harmonious. Yeah, those days are over. But the Nick Kyrgios glue has disintegrated. Yeah. He's not here. He needs to qualify if that's going <laughs> to happen again. But uh, Sitsipas was then asked, well, what, what?" he says, what do you mean? And Neil said, well, you know, you had your incident in Miami after the match. You had, you know, you've had a few fallings out. And Sitsipas said, yes, I'm, I'm quite, quite glad you asked me about Miami. I'd like to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> and he ran us through in just the minutest detail exactly what had happened on the court what the score was when there was a let all the detail and Medvedev had had thought he should have apologised for a let mid rally like a net cord that that Sitsipas ended up winning and he came up to the net and he said he said are you going to apologise for that (laughs) and Sitsipas had forgotten that there was a net cord in the rally so he was like well why am I you know what is there to apologise for it was only when he watched it back that he realised that there was a net cord in the middle of the rally and that's what Medvedev wanted him to apologise for he said it it phased him and he didn't win another game or match Um, and so he was really angry and that's when he he said I said what I said to him and I do regret those words that I used and what did he call him him? bullshit Russian called him a bullshit Russian and which, not surprisingly, parentage. didn't go down very well with Daniel Medvedev, who then offered him out for a fight um, <laughs> and at the net, using the F word and everything. Um, and Sitsabas declined and walked off. And thereafter, yeah, it has gone not very much uphill. It's, 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 not been a, it's been a frosty relationship, apart from the, uh, the, the private jet uh, sharing. And, and, and that was why today's match was a bit weird, because... If you were just watching that tennis match as a casual tennis fan, you would have had no sense at all, really, that they didn't get on. Okay, there was the little shot at him, but that's not totally out of the you know, out of the norm. We do the, see that the handshake was a glorious throwback to the frostiness of Connors and McEnroe. Though. It was frosty, frosty from Medvedev's side. Though. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's more lost. inclined to be frosty. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, lost. and it wasn't unpleasant. It was just no. I'm not. I'm not going to make a song and dance about this. You know. Just, but I'm also not going to touch you for any longer than is strictly necessary. <laughs> Absolutely right. Um, and then there was uh, another one where I, I, I actually had chance to ask the last question, and I asked a question that I didn't expect a straight answer for from for a minute, which was, which of the big three is the most difficult to play? in your personal opinion and he goes oh Nadal <laughs> <laughs> he goes he says I think everybody thinks that <laughs> <laughs> and he went and I said why <laughs> he went through in detail that just his competitiveness is just it's almost like he's explaining what we would assume from the outside that the sheer force of nature that is Nadal bringing it all the time is just a bit too what much sort of I mean, this is a bleak question before it's even come out of my mouth, but what sort of horrendous life experience would it take to make Stefanos Sitsipas jaded? 
Well, he had well, it. Losing two over England, Frank Open. To go, but jaded in terms of sort of cynical. And oh, okay. Do you know? I think that there was some of that though when he was burnt out in the in that period. Um, when he when he said, "I keep doing the same things in training, and and I d- mm. it feels like I'm doing this for no reason." And and then he stopped using any social media, didn't he? And and all this sort of stuff. I think Stop when he was quoting Sean Mendes on a daily basis, and then deleting and retweeting. Sean Mendes, <laughs> and then deciding actually I am am going to say it, even though I know I shouldn't. Um, I just yeah, I feel like it's the the biggest and the one question I didn't have a chance to ask, which was what are you going to do differently next year? Because clearly he needs to schedule his year differently. Mm-hmm. I hope he does for his sake because he will have another period like that otherwise. Well, he played a lot of 250s this year, didn't he? Which probably just kind of need to go from his schedule and then and then he'll be fine. But I feel like he kind of thinks that he owes those tournaments mm. in a way. I remember when he won Marseille, was it Marseille he won at the start of this year or towards the start of this year and he was really saying, you know, this tournament gave me a wild card. I'm so happy to win. I, You know, I feel like I owe this tournament something in my career, but you've got to, you've got to be bold enough, strong enough to drop that from your schedule because he can't be playing 26, 28 events. I was looking actually in Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer. I know they're older, but they qualified here with the most points and by far the fewest events. I mean, half the number yeah. of events that the others are playing, and it's it's just smart scheduling. See, I, I feel like Alexander Zverev carries himself too much like one of the greats mm. of the game when he hasn't actually done anything yet of note. Um, and I think Stefano Tsitsipas and several others carry themselves far too much the opposite of that mm. and don't think about the big picture. Uh, and I, I give Sitsipas a pass because it's the first time he's sure. he's had any of this, but he's got to learn from it. Same way his team has taken way too long to understand. Well, we don't know if he has understood, do we? Well, he's committed to play Kitchbull next year. Okay, I mean, look, he can have Kitchbull. Can he? He's missing the Olympics for it. Yeah, I find that bizarre. Yeah, it's a bit bizarre. That's the one that I find most jarring right we need to ask him about that yeah yeah we need to ask him about that in the press conference had we not needed to record the podcast I was going to ask Zverev about that logo of his um, but anyway I, I don't think we've mentioned it. that in the pod I think that's all been yeah outside the pod yeah he's got a big S there are rumours like. that Zverev has his own custom logo and I'm not going to pass comment on that until we've had it confirmed yes I'm going to ask him but I'm not sure I think it might be something to do with the clothing sponsor because Sitsipas has got something on his kit as well yes which I really squinted at for a long time before I understood it says believer yeah but spread over two lines yeah so it looks like two words neither of which are words like bell and Eva what was it Sitsipas signed on the camera uh, today keep fighting keep loving Oh, Bless him. He's that 15-year-old at school that writes his own poetry and thinks it's going to change the world. <laughs> and, oh, and, every- his, and his just <laughs> might. Isn't he lovely? Oh, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's, great. It's, it's just the most adorable naivety about him that I, I don't ever want to see change. No. And is this tournament 
already a success for Tsitsipas, no matter what happens now, given that he's beaten Medvedev. Yeah, I mean, today was literally better than all of his dreams, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, <laughs> can you imagine experiencing something that's better than all of your dreams? <laughs> no. I would consider that a success. And, yeah. I mean, he said this was one of the most important matches, wins of my career. And when another player would say that, I'd kind of think, yeah, right. But when he says it, I kind of believe it. Because he's He's probably ranked them all. He's, he's probably got them all written down in a diary, hasn't he? <laughs> Can you imagine his diary? Oh, you, I mean, Steph's, if they ever, that ever comes out, he's definitely got a diary, hasn't he? He does, yeah. He definitely writes his thoughts down every night. Because, <laughs> I mean, I know I used to when I was a bit younger than him. Um, and he's a quite young... Do you think he writes it in the form sort of? Do you think he writes it in iambic pentameter? He, he has got cool handwriting. I've seen he's posted something before of his handwriting, and it's like kind of vintage handwriting. It's all it's all him. wafty and isn't he great? Of rounded. It's wafty. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, is it written with a quill? <laughs> yes, it looks like it is. Fantastic. Um, also, I liked what he said in the press conference about how he realises that in the same way that he's learned from previous losses to Medvedev, Medvedev will have learned from this loss. And he knows that just because he's cracked the code once doesn't mean that he's completely sussed it out. He, yeah, he Jeremy Shard is unlikely to have further intel for him <laughs> in the future, I'd say. He, d- he did say that after the loss in Shanghai, Sitsipas, he said, I spoke to my brother and I said, I... I it's going to change next time. And, and he clearly was really pleased to be able to say that. Mm. But I thought that was good perspective to have, given that, you know, on the court, that the celebration he gave was so exuberant. Yeah. And it, it felt like it was, you know, he, that was it. That was the moment. He, he, almost in that moment, it was like he's cracked Medvedev, but he realises that this was one match and he still, he still does have a 1-5 record against him. Medvedev uh, walked off the court doing sarcastic gestures towards his box. Did you see that? Yeah, and, and they were, he was doing that throughout mm. the match and I don't really know what mm. in relation to. But um, I d- Just a final point on that. I think it's really, really important for that rivalry that it's not gone 6-0. Yeah. Because we all want that rivalry to thrive and grow and Back be and a forth. beautiful grotesque thing over the next decades as we um, want this and, you know, it, as soon as it gets to 6 and 0 7 and 0 it you know Zverev Sitsipas next snowball. is coming in a couple of days time so look forward to that and that's because Zverev There's Agro there as well yeah there mm. is Zverev beat Nadal today 6264 my assessment is that Zverev was awesome tonight mm-hmm. uh, and he was I mean there's something wrong with the speed gun because mm-hmm. he, he hit successive serves of 144 and 147 miles an hour one of them was a slice serve out wide so I'm sorry <laughs> but, but I don't get why it's not showing erroneous results for other players yeah I that's, mean, that's the one thing that I'm confused was significantly by. down last night apparently this, I mean, this, well significantly this, miles per this hour, did happen which, with Zverev mm. last year I remember and he just seems to roll his arm over and get these incredibly fast serves yet he clearly was hitting them very very well um, and he was blasting everything behind them as well but Nadal was completely off wasn't he don't think there is anything wrong with the abdominal no, he said in his press conference that he felt no pain. He's very positive about the whole situation with the abdominal. The reason for his poor performance was 
lack of practice, he didn't feel match ready due to having to take a week, ten days off. Which is mind-boggling, isn't it? Mm. He played his last match ten days ago. It was Friday in, in Paris. Okay, Paris plays a little bit differently, but it's an indoor hard court. It was ten days ago. He That was a quarter-final, so that was his what, third match of the week. Mm. Um, and yet, it's not ludicrous because we know he is a like we were discussing with Medvedev earlier a form and a rhythm mm. player so for him taking five days off from I think more significantly from, from practicing is a massive massive thing and he looked so cautious rusty so rusty yeah. uh, he'd got no timing he'd got and, and he ended up resorting to going 20 feet behind the baseline doing the lasso like forehand cross court just to try to get rhythm it mm. seemed to me we, we had on Five Live Sports, actually, we had Dan Evans with us commentating for the first time. And it was, it was interesting watching it through his eyes. And he said he just, he clearly just isn't feeling the ball on the strings correctly here for him. And, and he was shocked at how many balls were, were landing short. But then Zverev was just teeing off. He clearly decided um, to go for it right from the first ball which was refreshing really it was a, a little bit Andy Murray-esque from way back when when he used to decide my normal game isn't going to do mm. it against this guy I better just blast it's like the last 12 months didn't happen yes yeah. it was like the muscle memory of being on that court took over um, which I mean look the court obviously suits him absolutely perfectly it's best of three sets there are there are caveats but it goes to show how much of his woes have been mental and confidence related which is obviously a vicious circle type of a problem but it was yeah it was it was it was genuinely like the last year of his life hasn't happened which must be given his accounts of the last year of his life just a a glorious feeling Mm. for him yeah rather ironic really given that he's declared so many courts his effing court <laughs> apart from this one and this this might actually be the one that is his court because that's um that's three wins in a row now beating Federer in the semis last year Djokovic in the final Nadal here he's done the the big three triple in consecutive matches and you watch Zverev play like that and suddenly you can you can picture his future being really bright because how do you beat him when he's serving like that and hitting like that off the ground what, what? He, he's the sort of nightmare tennis player that I think you could imagine with a big serve and big ground strokes we've not really seen that, all the big servers the, you know the, the giants have always had weaknesses with yeah. their ground strokes but this serve like that, his forehand today was about ten times better than Nadal's and that just feels a weird sentence to say given a lot of people would probably call Nadal's forehand the best ever and Zverev's it's normally his weakness but he was hitting it so well yeah well I think even I, I until tonight I thought even peak Zverev the forehand was his weakness mm. even at his best I still thought the forehand was susceptible and a little bit funky and can look a bit awkward but yeah tonight it was just magnificent but he didn't rally with it really mm. did he? he didn't bother rallying with it if it was there, he slapped it for a... Uh, he, he was going for winners yep. on the forehand and he was trying to hit it as hard as he possibly could, really. And I just think that that simplifies matters for him. And it's why I don't understand why he plays so cautiously in 
patiently from the baseline. It's it's passive tennis, and it's not him. He's six foot six, for mm. goodness sake. And w- as you say, it's when he's playing like he did tonight. It's like watching Novak Djokovic with Milos Raonic's serve, and that is a frightening prospect. So why doesn't he look like that when he goes to the Australian Open? Oh, I'm having flashbacks to the. You've mentioned Raonic, the, the Raonic yeah. match at yeah. the Australian Open. I mean, yeah. he, he was so pale and insignificant that day into uh, he just six love wasn't it dialed a performance in he looked like a he looked like uh, i I described actually nadal (laughs) it was like he looked like some imposter was out there in Mm. his place and zverev at slams basically looks like that um gets involved in epics that he shouldn't be in well it kind of goes to that muscle memory point he's built up so much baggage at these slams that every time he goes into a slam, it's it's a talking point. It's an event. Can Zverev, A, get through the first few rounds without playing unnecessary sets? Normally the answer's no. And B, once he gets to a quarterfinal, which he has done a few times now, will he actually step up and play the way he can? No. And it, it just... You just expect it. And if, if we're expecting it, it must be in his head as well. Yeah. Well, he's the only member of the field here this year that hasn't reached a slam semi-final this year. And how do you turn that around? Because the the shot okay. clock here, the, the, the speed gun rather, here, because it shows these 140s, I think everybody in the stadium, is it becomes a factor. Mm. Even just the image in his own mind of, I'm a big server, look how hard I'm hitting it. You people are nothing to me. I can knock you all off the court. So that is our impression of Alexander Zverev he looks bigger he looks stronger he looks more dangerous and you get him out at the the Grand Slams and what do you think you think oh yeah he's going to get embroiled yeah, in some epic exactly. in the second round against um, the Jeremy Shardy or someone <laughs> and you know and then Jeremy Shardy will be giving uh, his next opponent tips yeah and he'll edge his way through it and and then he'll find a way against uh, Joao Sosa <laughs> and then in round four he'll run into Diego Schwartzman who'll knock him out and that's what happens to, to Alexander Zverev and that's the image we have going into slams of him and he needs to find a way to rewire that not only in his mind but in all the opponents and all of the people like us in the crowds and the fact is and this is this is a brutal truth I'm sorry to say regardless of how brilliant he might end up being throughout the whole of this week he was brilliant tonight I hope he can keep it up because it was a joy to watch frankly he could win every match love and love to win this title from now on and it's not going to affect everything you've just described because he's done this before Mm. he's done this before and had his had a frankly thoroughly disappointing year yes there are factors but I, I do think we've heard more about those factors. I think other players have had factors and we've heard less about them. I think they're being given extra weight. Five exhibitions <clears throat> in a week with Roger Federer. Help <clears throat> or hindrance? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. I mean... We don't know. Well, we don't know. We don't know. It's However, impossible. what do you think? <laughs> I do think that spending time doing what he wants to do, if that is what he wants to do and that's his decision, I think that probably is a, a good thing. You know, we've spoken all year about him having to do stuff he doesn't want to do. Okay, we've, perhaps he's made more of it, but... If this is completely his decision and it's going to make him happy, then it could be a good thing. But I don't see how it's necessarily better than playing Davis Cup or resting. That's, that's my problem with it. His whole argument has been, I need an off-season. I need an off-season to, to train, to work on my game and to rest. And he's, he's eating into that time. I also still f- have reservations about spending significant periods of time around Roger Federer. You're not Roger, F- Roger Federer, mate. You haven't won 20 slams. He can do that. He can do whatever the hell he likes. He, it's fine, as far as I'm concerned, for Roger Federer not to be playing the Davis Cup finals. All the rest of it, f- uh, whilst, although I, you know, it'd be great if he did and all the rest of it, it'd be great to have one team event that really worked for everybody, all that sort of thing. But Federer has earned the right. Zverev hanging out with him and being his sparring partner for, for a week of exhibitions, I, I just... I don't, yeah, he's, I don't, he's being Moritz team for the for the week, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, following him around. I don't know that that helps really because I, I I think he needs to pull his head in and just get on with winning big titles. You can do the the other stuff later. We'll see, we'll see. Maybe it'll help him. Maybe being around Roger Federer will rub off or something. Well, he is uh, one and a small sample size, but one and zero against. Federer and one and against Nadal since the uh, not one negative face Lever Cup pep talk. Yep. I'm gonna give you a stat now, Matt. Hit me. I, I've already got. Uh, did did you you moved on very quickly before I could reference the fact that Matt gave me an impressed face earlier when I produced a stat. Oh right, go on. I got a, I got a little nod. Have you? Which one was this? Got another one. Have your moment. Which which stat did you come up with that got the nod? I've already forgotten it. <laughs> 
saying. Oh, the only one not to have reached a semi-final. Oh, yes, yes, that was great. This one's better. Okay, since... In the last decade... So since the start of the 2010 season, Rafael Nadal's played 516 tennis matches. There are only six where he hasn't created a break point. And one of them is tonight. Wow. And three, three of them were in Shanghai and three of them were here. Crikey. That is quite a good stat. That is very, 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 very good. <laughs> That's very detailed. Uh, okay. Right then. So we've had uh, those two matches today. And in the doubles today, we've had um, Pierre, Hugues Hebert and Nicolas Mahou, who are who were playing in the most lovely outfits, uh, beating Cabal. They were playing in navy blue and red, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, they played against French. Cabal and Farah. Farah or Farah? Well, I really confidently say Farah. Right. And um, and then Tim Hemman goes and I say, who, who are you going for, Tim? Eber and Mahu or Cabal and Farah? Cabal and Farah. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Off and you go to the commentary box. I watched... <laughs> <laughs> 6375 for Eber and Mahu. They were really good. I watched quite a lot yes. of that. I made that a bit of a priority today to watch that. And, and it really felt like a step up quality-wise in yes. terms of the doubles that I've seen so far. And I think there are factors at play there. I think there have been a few teams that have been pretty nervous. I think Ram and Salisbury yesterday were really nervous, um, understandably. But they looked a class apart to me today. Mm. They just complement each other perfectly when they play. They're both game style and personality-wise. And honestly, I think when they do play their best I think I think they're the best doubles team in the world both to watch and in terms of results um, yeah. let's revel in it yeah and, okay. and as you said on Prime they've, they've realised that they're better together oh. there's, a, there's a message in there somewhere isn't there and, and, and Ebert is I know I mean Ebert is desperate to make it up to Mo yeah, you can see it all over it his is, face so he just, should be yeah yeah but he yeah. really is. He really feels bad. <laughs> Good. Yeah, because he, he they. Um, he's the loveliest bloke. Mahu, Mahu was asked on the court tonight, uh, or was it tonight? Yeah, it was tonight about um, about the fact they were playing the Wimbledon champions. Oh, that, and he that said, was awkward, wasn't it? It was a bit awkward. He said, "Yeah, I know they're the Wimbledon champions. I was there." Um, and you could see because, of course, Mahu lost lost to Cabal and Farah in that final alongside Edouard Roger Vasselin and you could see Herbert wince in the background mm. at the memory of everything that had transpired to lead lead to that point it was yeah Orcs. <laughs> but it it wasn't quite awkward they clearly worked it through it, was, it didn't feel like oh this is the elephant in the room that we never talk about it felt more like they'd sort of Not stayed up all, stayed up all night for weeks on end working through their differences and reaching a, a better place and, and Nicola Mahu keeps on telling Ebert it's okay you yeah. don't have to apologise yeah. anymore but, it's alright yeah but he'll never stop apologising <laughs> no <laughs> Kravitz and Mies beat Roger and Takao 7-6 4-6 10-6 there's your other result of the day. Yeah, debutants Kravitz and Mies yep. against former champions Roger and Takao, 2015. The, the only former champions yeah. in the doubles field. And okay. Is that anything else? I have a stat. Oh, go on. 18 now of the last 19 singles matches at this tournament have been straight sets. 
That is extraordinary, isn't it? Why does that keep happening, do we think? Uh, I mean, I guess when you, when you fall behind against a top player in the world, these players all have really good records, don't they, from one set up. But equally, they, they've they probably got the best records from yeah. one set down, so that for, doesn't really for work. For the most part, I think it's, it's the mental fatigue, mm. that once you go behind, you just don't have it within you to mount the fight back you might be able to mount earlier in the season. But then two of those blokes that have lost in straight sets are Federer and Nadal. Mm. So, of all the people that I'm expecting to... I mean, all the way through, Dan Evans just kept going, this isn't over, this yeah. isn't over. And, and you could see the stress in him, and he was fidgeting, and he kept he kept holding two fingers up as if to say, this is double coming up here from Zverev, because, you know, you've seen it that many times, but Nadal could not mm. find the shots, could he? He would sort of do all the things that Rafael Nadal does that he sees himself do on the TV and replay when he's winning Grand Slam titles and he was doing all those things, but when he actually came to make contact with the ball it wasn't really going anywhere. Yeah, there were, there were more shanks than I've ever seen Nadal hit, yeah. I think. He's not, he's not a shanker no, in the way that Federer shanker, is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really yeah. alarming stat that. The one that wasn't uh, two sets was Chilich Isner. That epic. Which was, which was front of mind for me. Which we'll was, that I distinctly one. remember being a bit annoyed that it went to three sets <laughs> last year. Doesn't deserve Jeez, three sets. <laughs> okay, wow. so tomorrow it wasn't a vintage year, was it? Uh, Tuesday we have uh, doubles: Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury against Ivan Dodig and Philip Polasek, and then uh, Roger Federer against Matteo Berrettini is the afternoon match at two o'clock. It's Lukas Kubot against Mar- and Marcelo Melo against Raven Klassen and Michael Venus, and then Novak Djokovic against Dominic Team in the night session. Singles predictions: Federer is going to win. Isn't uh, he? Federer is going to beat Berrettini. Yeah. 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 Agreed. And Djokovic, I think, will win. I mean, going out on a limb and predicting Djokovic and Federer. I think it's going to... I think team's going to have a set, but he's going to lose in three. There you go. There's your three-setter. What do you think? No, I, th- I think it might be two. Catherine's got that I might just go for team yeah. look about her. I'm, if, 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 the word, if the next word out of your mouth isn't team, I'm going to be disappointed now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, obviously, really, I think Djokovic is going to win. But wouldn't it be good for the tournament and the excitement? Yeah, Mm. I want Djokovic-Federer to be as good as it can possibly be on Thursday. And I think that means Djokovic losing to team. I'm I'm okay to take the hit on team Berrettini if it raises the stakes (laughs) for Djokovic-Federer. Okay. Um, Do we think Nadal losing will just focus Djokovic even more? It's now in his hands. He can... Uh, he, he wins all his matches, then yeah. he'll be well I mean, I one. don't think... I think it was close to impossible for him to be more focused, mm. but if it were possible, he, he probably is, yeah. OK. We look forward to it. Catherine, Matt, thank you. Uh, here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, executive produced by TennisBalls.com, with our mascot, Rio, with a Y. Uh, if you know anybody who you've ever met in your life who likes tennis, tell them about the tennis podcast. That sounds like a splendid idea. And then we'll like get a threat. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> Lots more listeners that way. Uh, leave us an iTunes review uh, and come back tomorrow where we'll have another one of these for you. Cool fact. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.